Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. How many of you know ever get a revelation in your life you can't sleep at night? Are you that geeky like me? Okay, guys. Don't leave me out here by myself. I'm also a part-time comedian. Feel free to not make me tell a joke up here and you don't laugh at it. Because that happens. I'm like, man, don't worry, I'll laugh for myself because I'm funny. But this is not a part of my message, but I wanted to share this revelation because it was so, it's powerful to me. But back in October, God told me that 2022 was a year of the bride. And that was both physical and the natural, like God would be partnering up husbands and wives, literally matches made in heaven. God would be your matchmaker for you. And it was for the purpose of unity. Because one of the very powerful reasons why God puts kingdom marriages together is because not only do the two become one, but you are able to declare a thing on earth because you're in agreement and you will see it established on the earth quicker than anybody else would see it established. That is the purpose of marriage for those. It was many purposes, but that is one of the main purposes of marriage is unity. When a husband and wife get together in intercession, they are able to call the kingdom of heaven was already created on earth, already, uh, already created in heaven to earth. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Two people partnered together with the same assignment. Two people that walk in agreement, pray about anything in heaven and they will see it manifested on earth husbands this is why it's important for you to treat your wife well the bible lets us know that if you mistreat your wife your prayers will be hindered all the days of your life somewhere in the book of peter where is it y'all second peter 3 7 don't get me the lion huh okay sometimes i read the bible i know and so god had me um reading genesis uh, jeremiah 33 and I've been reading that for like months now. It's one of my favorite scriptures. And one of the things he talks about this lamb being desolate. It's like dead, it's dry. God cursed the lamb because of idolatry. And idolatry is anything, because if you're like me, I'm like, that doesn't apply to me because I don't bow down to a golden calf. I don't have a statue in my house that I worship. It's only God. But idolatry is tricky, just like the spirit of pride is. And idolatry is anything that you love more than your obedience to God. So if everybody really does an examination of your heart and if God told you to do something and you gave him your no or you gave him de delayed disobedience or delayed obedience because you said it's going to mess up the good thing I already have going on here. Because how many of you know God doesn't really care about your good thing you have going over there when he told you to do this over here? You have made that thing an idol. How many of you know that you can take a promise that God gave you? And begin to worship the promise and forget about the promise giver. How many of you know that you can take a covenant God made with you and begin to worship that covenant and forget about the covenant maker? So idolatry is anything that you love more than your obedience to God. And I know we don't think, uh, some of us don't think that the Old Testament applies to us because when Jesus died on the cross for our sins and the blood was shed on Calvary, that meant that the curse, uh, that meant that the uh, uh, what does that mean? Oh, the new covenant came into effect. Thanks, Sam. Sam came with me from America too, everybody. And his beautiful wife, Melissa. 
But many people don't think that the Old Testament doesn't apply to them. And I think that if we come into the revelation knowledge of the Bible, you will realize that it does. As a matter of fact, one of the curses in the Bible in the book of Deuteronomy is inflammation. Inflammation is one of the major keys of any disease, arthritis, anything you can think of. Inflammation is the root of that disease, and it's a curse in the book of Deuteronomy. So when I look at Jeremiah 33 and I was looking at it and it was like there was a drought in the land. And when you really look at the Bible, anytime God was mad at a nation because you, he, you decided to serve another God, he messed with the water system. And I've always thought that that was so powerful because he calls drought and in, in Pharaoh's time, he turned the water into blood. And I do know in the Bible, water is synonymous with the Holy Ghost. And I do know one of the definitions of Nigeria is lakes. The Portuguese definition. The Greek definition of, of Lagos, I'm sorry, Lagos is lakes. The uh, Portuguese definition of Lagos is lakes. The Greek definition of Lagos is fast runner. So what God was telling me about this nation was that the outpouring was going to start in Nigeria. But if we can agree, it's been dammed up. The water hasn't been flowing in this nation. When you have living water, everything, the vegetation is good. It's everything God created in Genesis 1. When water is flowing, life is happening. It's beautiful everywhere. But when water has been dammed up because there's a cloggage somewhere and water stays still for too long, it's, it turns into sewage. It stinks. It's undrinkable. And I believe that's what's happening with the Holy Ghost that he's supposed to be flowing through this nation. You're supposed to be seeing the fruit of the Holy Ghost flowing through the nation of Nigeria. You guys are praying and worshiping and intercession. Y'all pray more than we pray in America. Why is it damned up? We're, we're believers that look at fruit. Whenever you're looking at fruit, you should ask God. We pray more. I'm telling you, you I went to seven countries in the pandemic in one year. I was living the Vida Loca. Everybody was home, scared, not traveling anywhere. I was like, this is my time to, because I was bored, really. I can't just sit here. The airports were the cleanest they had ever been. I'm pretty safe. All I smell is bleach. I'm the only one on the plane. Seven, the churches in America shut down and they kept the, the liquor stores open. And I came to Nigeria. Nigeria gave me the boldness because I came here and I went to a ministry that had thousands of people in the room in the middle of the pandemic, sweating and praying and worshiping. And I said, this nation prays more than anyone I've ever been to. Why is it still like this? And I heard the Lord say, it's idolatry that this is an idolatrous nation, that God loves your worship and he loves your prayers, but he cares about your obedience. He says, I am a jealous God. There will be no other gods before me. Some people have made ministry God. Some people made their prayer performances God. Some people made their worship entertainment God. And God said, so when in Jeremiah 33, when I was reading it, he said, I've cursed this land, but because you guys repented for idolatry, what you're going to do is you're going to hear 
this is what's powerful because well, let me take you backwards because I, I was like, well, first of all, when did God curse? No, no, no. Okay, let me just go back. I get excited, guys. Just don't mind me. Jeremiah 33. Now this, God had cursed this whole land, right? So in Jeremiah 33, I'm reading this and he goes, thus saith the Lord, the maker, the Lord that formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which knowest not. When I looked up the definition of mighty things, it actually meant a wall so fortified that it reached heaven. That there are some mysteries that God wants to release to you, but it has such a fortified wall. As a matter of fact, when I did a study on that wall, do you know that it was so Thick that people could live in it so when he says call unto me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things which you know it's not there are some revelations that you can only get in God when you call out to him the Bible says in verse 6 behold I will bring it health and cure and I will cure them and I'll reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth now this is a nation that was cursed I'm gonna show you where it was cursed in Jeremiah in a second and I'll cleanse them from all of their iniquities whereby they have sinned against me. And I'll pardon all their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. And it shall be to me a name of joy and praise and honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. I want you to think about Nigeria. And Nigeria shall be a name of joy, a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear of the good that I will do to Nigeria. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I procure unto Nigeria. Now, here's why I think that this is powerful. He said, in this place that's desolate, you see, I want you to do a study on desolation when you get a chance. Nothing can grow in desolation. Dogs can't live in desolation. Animals can't thrive in desolation. People can't live in desolation. God said that this place that was desolate without man, without beast. Even the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man. Here's what God said, verse 11. You're gonna hear the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, and the voice of them that shall say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. For I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first, saith the Lord. Now, what I love about this scripture, uh, before I knew anybody in Nigeria, God had put a seed in my heart for her. And I just, I'm not one of those people that love nations. I don't even love America like that. And I like America. The land of the free. Home of the brave. I enjoy America, but I'm not one of those people that intercede for nations. Like, I just don't care. You understand what I mean? Don't leave me out here. I just don't care. And God put a seed in my heart for Nigeria. And I kept saying, there's a sound in this nation. I kept telling everybody in America, keep your eye on her. There's a sound coming from this nation. And I had never read Jeremiah 33 yet. How many of you know that we live in a kingdom where everything is created with words? The kingdom of God, we live in a kingdom with its own set of rules and everything in our kingdom is created with our words. 
What I think is powerful about that, Pastor Moses, is that in Genesis 1, the Bible says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Now, I was shocked because I didn't think that we met the Holy Ghost until Jesus died and he brought the comforter down. But the Bible says that the Spirit of God brooded over the waters. But in verse 3, it said, and then God said, let there be light and there was light, which let me know that the presence of God can be in the room. The power of God can be in the room, but it's not until you speak a thing that you see it established on earth. Tiffany, all I do is worship. All I do is praise God. The presence is so heavy, but I don't see anything happening in my life. The Bible said that the Spirit of God brooded over the waters, but light didn't come until God said, let it be light. What have you been speaking over your life? What have you been declaring over your life? You'll speak a thing and it'll be established. You should only be speaking the word over your life. If God said it, that's just what it is. You know, when they went on the fast in book of Luke, they really went on that fast, not because they didn't know what to do with the little boy that was a lunatic. They went on the fast to help their unbelief. So if any, uh, in, anybody in here right now is struggling with unbelief, you should go on a fast three days, turn down your plate. God, help my unbelief. I don't know about y'all, but one of the things I loved is that when I came to Christ in my shower, I didn't have too much to unlearn from the body. Because I knew when I got saved, there was no junior Holy Ghost. I got the grown man Holy Ghost. And because I was reading the Bible through the lens of the blood of Jesus Christ, when he said it, I just simply believed it. We fasted a few days ago. A uh, ministry I have, we fast for the first three days of every month. And in the state of California right now, they were trying to pass a bill that you could kill a baby up to 28 days out of the womb. Out of the womb. That if you have a baby and you wanted to get an abortion, but you had a late thought and said, you know what, let me get the abortion after 13 days. You could kill the baby and you won't get charged for murder. As you can imagine, a holy indignation rose up in me. And But what I knew, because all of a sudden, it happened out of nowhere. Everybody in America right now is either fighting against abortion or fighting for abortion. Everybody. And I'm like, what just happened? Want to know what's so powerful about that? Every Tuesday, we fast to come into agreement with God's prophetic word of this being the year of the bride. And I had a message prepared about two or three weeks ago, and God changed it that morning and said, pray against abortion. At that time, nobody was, nobody was talking about it. The next day, it erupted. The Holy Ghost told me that there is a deliverer that's being born in this nation. Somebody said, what about Jesus? He's the deliverer. And I was like, please don't play with me. Like, you know what I mean. I'm not talking about another Jesus coming to the world. But Moses was a deliverer. Prophetess Harriet Tubman was a deliverer. That there's a deliverer coming to this nation that the devil knows about. And in the Bible, when baby Jesus was being born, King Herod knew because he saw the baby star. 
So the wise men saw the baby star and they went to go worship Jesus. And King Herod said, I saw the star. Please let me know where this baby is. I'd like to worship him too. The Bible says that they had a dream of God telling the wise men, go the other way. King Herod is trying to kill baby Jesus. And God gave Mary's husband, Joseph, a dream at night. An angel came to him and said, hey, hide, go to, thank you. And hide because there, he's, he, Herod is trying to kill Jesus. Don't come back until he's dead. What I thought was powerful about that is the enemy can see. But he's not omni. Sometimes we give the devil too much credit. The devil is not the opposite of God. The devil is the opposite of angel Gabriel. The devil is not the opposite of God. God has no rival. God has no equal. God has no competition. The enemy is the opposite of the angel. We give him too much credit. He can see but because he's not omnipresent, he's not all-knowing, he's not everywhere, he didn't know where the baby was. So he said, because y'all tried to play me, we're just going to kill every man-child under the age of two years old. He was so angry. And so with all of this abortion stuff erupting in America, God told me that there's a deliverer being born. For the next generation i don't know if the baby's still in the womb or if the baby's out of the womb right now but the enemy do you know a few days after that pastor moses in america right now there's a famine of baby formula you go in the stores in the shelves there is no baby food the enemy's trying to kill whatever baby is being born But I know because of our intercession, God is hitting that baby and the baby is fully stocked up with whatever it needs. My point of bringing this up is to go back to my point of saying that I believe that our words are so powerful. You could be just crazy enough to believe when you speak a thing, good or bad, it's going to happen. I'm so cautious over my words. The company I keep, all of my friends are so, I was saying something the other day, like I would never do that. My friend Prophetess Keisha said, break that vow. Do you have friends that even when you're joking will say, break that inner vow you just made? You're, you're so powerful that your words have no sense of humor. Well, I was just joking. Your words are so powerful, it didn't know that it was a joke. Your words are an army ready to go out and do exactly what, what does it say in the Bible? Uh, I'm a man under authority when I say, go they go and when they say come they come your words should be under authority and even when you speak a thing i don't joke about i don't say oh that kill mm. i don't say oh that is I, I love you to do i don't love nobody to death i will love you to life though and i found phrases new phrases for everything oh that's just hilarious i don't say that you know oh so and so make you sick Here's the, here's the issue with that. Some of us' words manifest quicker than other people's, depending on how much power you have in the realm of the spirit. And that does not mean you have to be in God for 30, 40 years. Uh, because somebody that just got saved can have more power than somebody that preaches in this pulpit. Let's just be clear. 
But some of us house more power that when we decree a thing, we see it happen immediately. The benefit of that is as soon as you say something stupid out of your mouth and you begin to feel it in your body, you have a point of contact to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent for saying so-and-so make me sick. I come out of agreement with that lie and I replace it with saying you have healed me and I'm not playing with my words no more. But some of you don't have that and you keep saying so-and-so make you sick and that doesn't manifest until 10 years from now and you don't know where it came from. So today I want you to take time to break those inner vows you made with your word. You'll never get married. You'll never do this. I'll never do that. You don't know what you'll never do because you don't run your life. God does, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, we were fasting about the abortions. And I said, God, as a token that you have heard us, as a sign that you have heard us, I ask in the name of Jesus that something comes on the news that lets us know that you have heard us. I don't like praying for no reason. I like to see fruit in my prayers. The next day, it was leaked from the highest court in America, the Supreme Court, that they were overturning Roe versus Wade. This was secret information. They don't even know who leaked. Whoever leaked this is in a lot of trouble. But God showed us a token that he has heard our prayers. That's how powerful our words are. So when I, when I saw God say, in this land that was once cursed, you're going to hear the voice of joy. There is a sound that comes even when it doesn't. This let me know that our new season isn't seen, it's proclaimed. It let me know that no matter what you see on the earth, no matter what your life looks like, your new season, you might not can see it, but you proclaim it. He said, even in this place that's desolate, you're going to hear the voice of joy. Imagine being on your deathbed and God saying, you're going to hear the voice of joy and the voice of gladness and the voice of the bride and the bridegroom. He said, you're going to give me the sacrifice of praise. Do you know when witch doctors give a sacrifice, they give something, shed blood so that they can reap the benefit of, of that, whatever that thing is. So that means the thing has to be killed before you can get it. The enemy's never going to give it to you and then say, you can pay me back later. He says, I want my payment up front. We know what sacrifice means demonically, but God doesn't require us to shed blood because Jesus already has. But what he did say was, if you give me the sacrifice of your praise, that even when you're living in a desolate life, even when you can't see the blessing coming to pass, even when nothing looks like what I said and I promise you is coming to pass, if you give me the sacrifice of praise, you'll see all of this stuff be established. What I love about that is, I used to never understand what it said, we, we should be walking by the spirit and not by the flesh. I, I had such a hard time conceiving that because I was like, I don't know what that means. But in the kingdom that we live in, what it means when you're walking by the flesh is, you go by what you see. You go by what you sense, or you go by what you smell or touch and taste. Everything you go by, like, well, it doesn't look like it's going to work out. My bank account doesn't look like what God promised me can come to pass. This thing that God promised me is going the opposite of what it even, that's living by your flesh. In our kingdom, we live by the spirit. And that means that it doesn't matter what it looks like. We go by what God said. So I was very interested that he said the bridegroom and the bride. And one day I got like, I was like, 
I wonder what that means. And God took me over to Jeremiah 16. This is where the curse started because of idolatry. And this is where he was telling Jeremiah that he couldn't get married and he couldn't have children. And then in verse 9, he said, But thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will cause to cease out of this place in your eyes and in your days the voice of mirth. The voice of mirth is gladness and joy and rejoicing. The voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride. I said, God, why when you cursed the land, you took away marriage? I didn't think, I know marriage is important, but I didn't think it was that important that it was, it was a sign no marriages was a sign that God had cursed that land. No marriage in your bloodline is a sign that God has cursed the bloodline. No marriage in churches is a sign that there is a curse at work. Divorces, all of that signs. And I'm not saying if you're getting beat, don't leave. Because I'm not you leave. And that's just that. But this is why it's important to marry early. Because some of y'all just married the wrong person. Missed all the red flags. It's like, what a... Tiffany, I, I'm like, did you see the red flags? Yeah, but I thought it was a circus. I wanted to see the animals. Thought I was at a festival. That was funny, y'all. When he cursed the land, he took away the voices of the married couples. Why? Because these two people, whatever they say on, on, in heaven is established on earth. That there is creative power in the life of husband and wife. That when they are in agreement with each other and begin to intercede, a nation changes. That he said, I don't even want the thought of this nation changing. I need it to stay cursed. So I need to break up the husband and wives so that nothing can be fruitful in this land. You know how powerful that is? That in Jeremiah 33, he says, now that you've repented for your sins, I'm going to bring back these voices. But I'm also going to bring back the unit that will cause restoration to come back in this place. And restoration, understand this, whenever you see, one of the signs of restoration is speed. That even though you may think it's been 10 years, I just came into this revelation knowledge, God, I didn't know that nothing could happen. When God restores something in your life, the evidence of that restoration is speed. When I got saved 2015, I'll say it forever. The only regret I have about this Christian walk is that I did not give my yes to God sooner. Gosh, I wish I had said yes sooner. 2015 wasn't soon enough. But as soon as I got saved, God restored to me the years that I wasted in the club. And he gave me that back speedily. That's a sign of restoration. That the grace God put on my life would takes men 10 years to do, I get done in one. That what takes men a year to do, I get done in one month. Restoration. I want you to know 
And I'm about to get to my message, and it's not going to be long. Don't worry. But I want you to know, and I want you to take this away from this part. Oh, shoot. Let me go to this part. Luke, uh, because this was really the revelation I wanted to give you that I was really excited about. And I hope you're excited about it, too. But you might not be. But you need to study it so you can find your excitement and pull it out. But God told me that this was an Elijah generation. And you'll probably just have to do a study on Elijah. Uh, I just taught on Elijah yesterday. But Elijah was a power prophet. He was the prophet that went up against Jezebel and Ahab. He was a prophet that took down 450 prophets of Baal. He was a prophet of demonstration that when he decreed that it would not rain for three and a half years, it stopped raining for three and a half years. And when he came back in 1 Kings 18 and said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain after he had gone up against the prophets of Baal by himself. The Bible says it rained again. Elijah was a powerful prophet. And then we have John that was born. And when John was in his mother's womb, this is why I hate, I hate abortion because they say the baby's not a baby yet. But the Bible says in Luke 1, while John was in the womb, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. From his mother's stomach and the Bible even said that God gave the baby an assignment while he was still in the womb and said he will come with the power and spirit of Elijah that he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the sons and the hearts of the sons back to the fathers that he would turn the disobedient to the wise and just. I forgot what it said, but read it. It's in Luke 1. In Revelations 11, we know that God is going to bring, we don't know who it is, but the Bible says there's two witnesses that are coming back on the earth. Many people assume it's Moses and Elijah because technically they didn't die. I just like to stick with what the Bible says. It says two witnesses. I don't know who they are. Then many people say, well, that means it's a lot of people. There's a many different witnesses coming that's going to do what they did in Revelations 11. I said, I don't know. It says two in the Bible. I'm going to go with two. You won't get me in trouble with God. I'm scared of them. I don't like making up my own. The Bible says that these two witnesses are going to come. You're going to think hell sent them. They're going to be so destructive on this earth. You're going to think they are. If, unless you discern them by the spirit and not by appearance you will think hell sent them and the bible says you put your mouth on them you'll drop dead now this is not to put any perverted honor in your heart because this nation already has a problem with perverted honor i believe in giving honor to whom honor is due but many people in this nation bow down to their leaders like their god that's an idol so I don't want to incite that fear or more of that in you that you need to do that. What I am saying is the Bible lets us know that we can judge, but we don't judge by appearance because, again, we live by a kingdom that doesn't live by our flesh. It doesn't matter what I see. Who cares if you're uncomfortable with what they said? Most of the time when people of God really come and you're uncomfortable, it's really just beating up against your flesh that you haven't killed. Because if you're a dead man, you can't feel it no way. Your flesh is too alive. When's the last time you've turned down your plate and fasted? Killed that nasty flesh. 
that rises up against the truth of God. He said, it's the truth that sets you free. The Bible says that these two witnesses will have the power to shut up heaven. They have the power to turn water into blood. And they have the power to cause plagues on this earth whenever they want. And the Bible says you put your mouth on them, you will die. You can read more about them when you want. But the reason I brought them up is because that's what Elijah did and that's what Moses did. So when I say an Elijah generation is rising up, I mean there is an Elijah generation that's rising up. That God is putting the, the fear of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you and the boldness of the Holy Ghost inside of you. That you will be able to confront systems and confront structures and confront these things, confront these prophets of Baal. I have never in my life seen more people, Christians, afraid of witches than I do today. Do you know they're afraid of you? When I got saved, I'm an entrepreneur by trade. When I got saved, I didn't realize how much of the world of entrepreneurship were witches. And I don't just mean calling, they, they're in covens. They say that they're in covens. When I got saved, I said, well, God, who's going to do something about this? Because I saw Christians going over to their side. You want to know why? Because they were serving the universe. And they said, no, this is God. It's just another name for them. They use the scriptures. They use the scriptures. And when you don't read the scriptures, you're like, I remember that one line in the Bible as a man thinketh, God be talking about God. And I saw Christians literally going over to their side because they were making a lot of money. How many of you know one of the definitions of dunamis power in the Bible, the one of the definitions of the word miracles in the Bible, blind being able to see, arms popping out, tumors dissolving, one of the, the dead being raised up again, miracles. One of those definitions means the influence and power, the power and influence that belongs to riches and wealth. The power and influence that belongs to riches and wealth. I began to go after the witches and they would say, Tiffany, leave us alone. I'm a good witch. I practice only white magic. And I, a witch is a witch. How I many of y'all know that? They're deceived, but a witch is a witch. And I've just never seen a generation more afraid, but the Elijah generation will have the unction of the Holy Ghost to confront these systems and go against these prophets, even if you have to do it yourself. And so uh, I just wanted to share this one part. This, this sums up this whole message. And then my next message will only be about 10 minutes, five minutes. No, Pastor Moses. Bible says, Luke 1, verse 13, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and call his name John. Here's where I want you to see this. Verse 14, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. I want you to know that the birth of the Elijah generation they shall have joy and gladness and they will rejoice at his birth is indication that when this Elijah generation rises up, the curse has been broken. When the Elijah generation rises up, the curse has been broken. Many of you in here are that Elijah generation. If you don't do it, God will find your replacement. 
you don't have a lot more time to figure out what you're going to do. How long will you halt between two opinions? How long will you go between two gods? That was just what I wanted to share. I, it made me excited. But I want to talk really quickly about practicing the presence of God. Uh, when the pandemic hit, I really held on to Psalms 91. I traveled to many different nations during the pandemic. I never caught Corona. That was a miracle. Never wore a mask. I laid hands on thousands of people. People came to me and said, I have Corona. What? And I laid hands on them. No mask on. I never caught it. Miracle. And I held on to Psalms 91 for dear life. And it said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high God shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I'll say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God in him. Will I trust? Surely he shall deliver you from the snare, the follower and from the perilous pestilence. Pestilence is COVID. Just FYI. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings and shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence, COVID, that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that lays waste at noonday. This was my promise that I held on to because I saw so many people die. I saw so many people lose their lives. I saw leaders, pastors drop dead. And I held on to six, verse six for dear life. Or seven, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. And I'll, I'll stop there. But I remember asking God in my, um, in my very just kind of little girl nature, I was like, Dad, what does that mean to stay in the sea? I, because, you know, verse seven and eight is a conditional promise. Sometimes we take the scripture and we're like, this is my promise. Uh, you know, a thousand may fall at my side, Psalms 91. But the Bible says that that can only happen if you dwell under the secret place of the Most High God and abide under his shadow. Then that promise applies to you. So I said, well, this is conditional. How do I abide? What does that mean? I don't understand. Help me. I need to abide. I, this can't hit me. I'm too skinny. If I don't eat food, I'm going to get skinnier. How many of y'all talk to God like that? You should start. I am a, I am a five-year-old child with God in my house. And I am a servant when I come in public and I'm talking to the king of kings. But there's nepotism. The king is my dad. And so I was telling my dad, I was like, honestly, I'm just already too skinny. Unless you can pack on another 20 pounds, God, I can't get COVID. It's just that simple. And I, I was worshiping. And if you're anything like me, you talk a lot during worship. And then if you're anything like me, because I was like, well, here I am in worship. God, I just worship you. I thank you. You know, at any time you want to let me know who killed John Benet Ramsey, I would like to know before I go to glory. I have, my, I have my suspicions, God, but I would like you to let me know. Then I get back on track. God, I worship you. You're amazing, Lord. 
And I remember hearing God one day, it was early in the pandemic, he said, and I don't think at that moment I had ever been quiet because I'm always talking. And I heard the word skin to skin. And in that moment, because I, I was listening to worship already, so I just grabbed my phone and I Googled skin to skin. And skin to skin is when you have a new baby. And as soon as the baby comes out, you place the baby's naked body on either the father or the mother for many different reasons. And the reason you do that is because coming out of the birth canal is a traumatic experience for the babies. It actually can cause trauma for the baby. So while I was just laying there in, in talkative worship, God was showing me some of the benefits of skin to skin. He said, first of all, when you do skin to skin with a baby, the baby is better able to absorb and digest nutrients. The baby is, I want you, as I'm reading these points, I want you to pretend like you're the baby. I want you to pretend while you're laying prostrate before God tonight that you're laying on the chest of your father. And as I'm reading these points off, I want you to see what God is doing. When I say that this was transforming in me practicing the presence of God during this time, and I do it all the time now. I get more revelations. I get more insight. I get more answers. So the baby is better able to absorb and digest nutrients. As you're laying there with your father and you read the word of God, how many of you know that some, some people have now replaced reading the Bible with books? But that's very dangerous. Reading, it's like eating, it's like eating vitamins and not eating the real. Vitamins were meant to supplement the food because the food now doesn't come from pure ground. Back in the day, when you ate real food, you got all the nutrients from that food. Now, because of so much pesticides, all of the nutrients die, and you have to a lot of times take vitamins to supplement the vitamins you were supposed to get in the food the first time. That's what's happening in the body. Depending on who's teaching you the word of God, you're most of the time getting the word from somebody who's been sprayed with too much pesticide. And by the time the word gets to you, it's halfway diseased. Because they gave you the word from their own corrupt culture and tradition. But when you go to skin to skin with God, you're better able to digest the nutrients that he gave you. The, it says the better body temperature maintenance. So if you're stressed or you have any type of anxiety, I guarantee you. Lay down tonight and skin to skin time with God. Put on your worship music. Don't say a word. Babies can't talk. Tiffany, well, how will God know what I need? How will God know what to supply me? Babies can't talk. And yet they're taken care of by God. The baby cries a lot less often when they do skin to skin. Sadness goes away. Fear goes away. Anxiety goes away demonstrates improved weight gain. Can you imagine? Tell, who tells God I can't get COVID because I need to gain some weight? And you hear skin to skin. And that's one of the benefits of it. You know how exciting I was? 
experience more stable heartbeat and breathing. That when you go to skin to skin with God, any heart palpitations you're having, any heart issues you're having, lay on your father's chest and just higher blood oxygen levels, long-term benefits such as improved brain development and functions as well as parental attachment. So you're closer to God, more successful at breastfeeding immediately after birth. You can receive more from God. Spend increased time in the very important deep sleep. Stronger immune system. Is that why I didn't catch COVID? That because I lay down every night and skin to skin with God, he strengthened my immune system in his presence. So I want to encourage you today to practice God's presence that way. Very simple message, but it's very profound in my opinion. It is a message that I have bared the fruit of it from my life. I never caught COVID. And this is the main thing that I did. Now, some of you will do this and you, you'll be like, Tiffany, your mind is still racing. You can't get it to be quiet. But that's the problem with this generation. We quit after the second time. Most of us quit after the first time. But that's why it's called practicing the presence because it's not something the Bible says labor to enter into my rest, which means that there's something that's difficult about resting. When we come from a work culture, we normally had to work for our parents love because they were toxic. Let's not lie. Woo -woo. But you know, we honor them because we want our days to be long. But normally how our relationship with, is with our parent is how we warp our relationship with God. So I had to work for my father's love, my mother's love, which means that I have to work for God's love. My father or mother abandoned me, which means that I serve a God that's always leaving me when I need him the most. My mother and father criticize me a lot, which means that everything I do to God, I don't think is enough because he's always criticizing me. But when you start practicing the presence of God and you start practicing skin to skin, you start laying on the chest of your father, he's going to literally renew your mind of what it looks like. The Bible says that the woman went to the judge and got on his nerve. The Bible said he was not even a saved man, a wicked man. He was not a just judge. That lady had done got on that man's nerve so bad. He said, just rule it in her favor. The Bible says, and if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much me know how to give good gifts to you? Practicing the presence of God means that you lay there even when your mind is speaking. Because how many of you know that sometimes it takes more than a week or two for the baby to learn that it's okay to rest there? Some of you may say, well, Tiffany, I just keep falling asleep. What parent doesn't love the fact that a child felt so safe in his arms that they fell asleep? What better place than God says, this person found so much, my baby found so much comfort in me that he fell asleep in my arms. That the way that he's finally learned that my burden is easy and my yokes are light. That he's finally learned to take the weight of the world off of his shoulders 
And even though he feels guilty that in the first two minutes, he's like, thank you, Jesus. And God says, finally, I got you right where I want you. Let me strengthen your immune system while you're here. Let me feed you with my nutrients while you're here. Let me encourage you while you're here. Let me remind you who you are while you're here. Let me share my love with you while you're here. Let me teach you how to be vulnerable while you're here. Let me humble you while you're here. Let me teach you what forgiveness looks like while you're here. Let me take away all condemnation and guilt while you're here. Let me outpour the Holy Ghost in you while you're here. Let me share with you my mysteries while you're here. Let me teach you that I don't need you to say anything to me for me to know what you need while you're here. Let me remind you to take no thought of tomorrow while you're here. Practicing the presence of God. This is not a weak position you're taking. It's likened unto a doctor. That's why they call their medical offices practices. You're now becoming a a doctor in the study of presence. Normally when you fast, you get dreams. You can feel the presence. You can, I mean, you can see through walls during a dream. I'm telling you, I got the same results without having to fast in skin to skin time with God. It's one of the most powerful things I've ever done. So I encourage you to do it today. We can all stand on our feet. And we'll just pray. I want you to ask God to teach you how to love him for the rest of this month. Ask God to teach him how he wants to be loved. For one person, he may say, I want you to worship me every single day at these hours. To another person, he may want to say, I want you to give to the poor every day at this hour. It depends on who, I don't know what God may tell you to do. He may say to you, I want you to love me for the rest of this month in obedience. I want you to prove to me that you love me by when I tell you to do something, you're going to do it immediately. I want you. God is really a heart doctor. And the body of Christ is really suffering a heart attack. God doesn't care about your works. He cares about your heart. That's why he said in Revelations 2. I love that you go against these false prophets. I love that you minister no matter what. I love that you go and work. But there's one thing I have against you that you've walked away from your first love. The message Bible says you've taken a fall, a Lucifer fall. Which means that you can do all this work for God. But the only thing he really cares about was your heart. So let's just ask God today. The world is hard. If you're not careful, the world will make you so busy, even with ministry, that you walk away from your love from God. And I want us all to go back into practicing the presence of God. The presence of God is where we get our power. The presence of God is where we get our provision. The presence of God is where our protection is. 
The presence of God is too holy for us to be too busy with things that God hasn't called us to. everybody to just be quiet for just a minute don't pray don't speak in tongues God wants to show you something what do you hear what do you see God just reminded me I'm getting ready to take my seat but I wanted to declare this over the house in Mark 7:34, there was a young boy who was deaf and dumb. The Bible said that Jesus went to this boy and he declared, Epitha, be open. The Bible said immediately the boy could hear and his tongue was loosed. When you're deaf, you can't hear God. When you're deaf, you don't hear the voice of God anymore. You can't discern what God is doing. When the Spirit of God talks to you and you're like, I don't know if this was God, I just need a thousand confirmations, you're deaf and dumb. But I declare to you today 
that the deafness and dumbness that you've experienced over your life is over. I declare that the Bible says that Jesus looked up to heaven, sighed, and said with a loud voice, Apatha, be open! So just for the new few, next few seconds, I want you to put in your mind what you need to be open. Put in your mind what's been closed. I don't know if that's your womb. I don't know if that's your house. I don't know what's, in, what's going on in your life. I don't know what's going on in your bank account. I don't know what's going on in your heart. Whatever has been closed, today is a day. I stand here as a prophet of God and I make a declaration on this earth. God told me that I came to Nigeria not to make priestly decrees, but to make kingly decrees. When I make a decree on this earth and everybody agrees, after today, you will begin to see the sign of restoration, which means that speed will hit your house. So in the name of Jesus, every area that's been closed. Give me a second. If you can lift up my mic. Lift up my mic just a little. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, that everything, you can put your hand on your room, put your hand... You can put your hand on your womb if you're not pregnant, but there's something God called you to birth out. And it has not given birth yet. The baby is breech in the realm of the spirit. Father, everything that the devil thought was closed, everything that the enemy closed on our lives, every door that the enemy closed on our lives, we thank you, Lord, that the rules don't apply to us. We thank you, Father, that you are Jehovah overdue. We thank you that you are Jehovah cannot lie. We thank you that you the whole, you are Jehovah. If you said it, it is finished. We thank you, God. Everything that's been closed over your life right now, I declare epitha, be open. Every heaven over your house that has been closed and turned into iron. I declare epitha, be open. Every womb that's been closed. I declare epitha, be open. Every marital destiny that's been delayed and that's been hindered. I declare epitha, be open. I declare the favor that was assigned to your life and everybody looks at you in discord everybody looks at you with scorn every door is slammed in your face favor epitha be open i declare every spiritually blind person in here the scales come off of your eyes now i declare epitha over your sight be open and dumb spirit in this house every deaf and dumb spirit online I declare epitha be open thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church our mission is to love people connect with family and touch the world learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.